Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... And there's no, I don't think there's any like gotcha questions I could possibly ask you. Um, <laughs> so we're going to be good with that. <laughs> I don't know, Matthew. <laughs> you know, once again, we'll we're going to play to that sneaky librarian type, always trying to pull one That's on the guests. Right. That's right. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> well, you've got, I figure you've got, what, 450 of these under your belt at this point? I so, know, you know, I got a, I got a couple. I think you, you have plenty of experience. Let's talk about race. Let's talk about how we're making mistakes and that the only way we can get better is to learn from those mistakes. Let's acknowledge that the scariest thing is to open your mouth and be wrong. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 448. I am your host, Matthew Winner. And we've got a lot to talk about. I've been looking forward to sharing this conversation with you, to sharing the book, Can I Touch Your Hair?, with you. It's a first purchase book, one that belongs in every library's essential collection, one that can open worlds and new understandings between adults and the children they're reading to. It's a good one. Today I'm sharing my interview with the authors of Can I Touch Your Hair, namely Irene Latham and Charles Waters. Next week, I'm excited to share with you my conversation with Can I Touch Your Hair's illustrators, Selena Alco and Sean Qualls. Before we get started, shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on, care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshana, Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Anitra, Lynn, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and the van load of others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. All the hugs and high fives, of course, for all of the many, many ways all of you out there listening support the show. And speaking of your support, please take a moment to listen to this short message from our sponsors who help to make today's episode possible. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore where you can find prints, books, and other gifts from some of your favorite children's book illustrators like John Clausen, Christian Robinson, and more. You've heard me share this before, but Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. So go visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. 
And the Children's Book Podcast is also sponsored by Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors. The team shares our mission is to help aspiring storytellers learn the craft of storytelling by sharing our creative process intimately. We believe everyone has a story to tell. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini-class. Enroll today at StorytellerAcademy.com slash wonder, or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at MatthewCWinner.com slash podcast. A quick note before we get started, we had a little bit of trouble with connectivity, which makes some of the conversation a little choppy. Um, I cleaned it up as much as I could, but I think the integrity of what is being said was the most important thing. So I do hope that you... Uh, listen and enjoy this entire conversation with Irene and Charles. It's quite special, and I'm going to let the conversation do the talking. Enjoy. And now, please welcome my guests, Irene Latham and Charles Waters, authors of Can I Touch Your Hair? Poems of Race, Mistakes, and Friendship. Welcome to the podcast, Irene Latham, Charles Waters. I am excited to talk to both of you. Yay! I'm excited. I'm Thank excited you, to, Matthew. Uh, so glad to be here. Excited to talk to you as well. Wonderful. Well, let me give each of you a chance to say hi. Irene, would you mind first, if I turn to you, please say who you are and uh, what it is you do. My name is Irene Latham, and um, it is my great privilege to to be in the book creation world for children's poetry mostly these days. So, um, so yeah. Children's poetry. It's a good time, right? Whenever I email you, I always get a nice little poem back. It makes me smile. <laughs> Thank you. It makes me smile, too. Poetry has that effect, for sure. Nice. Well, I... Uh, I, I believe that I'm talking to also a fellow poet. Charles, can you please introduce yourself and uh, what you do? Hello, dear listener. My name is Charles Waters. I'm a children's poet. I'm an, an actor and an author, and I live in New York City. So poetry. Yay for poetry. I love Yay. not only that you both are writers, but that you self-identify as poets. You lead with the poetry. This is a good thing. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So you, you got this It can little... take a while oh. for many of us to embrace that title. Oh. But... <laughs> Why? Why, Irene, does it take a while to embrace the title? Does it feel like... Uh, like I don't know. I don't know pretentious or something like what's bad about being a poet i love it i, I love think so no it's <laughs> it's so weighty you know it's like there's so much expectation with that word so um so yeah i think that's it well if picture books aren't poetry already you certainly take the extra step becoming a poet when we talk about how how every word counts in a picture book um taking on the role of a poet taking on the the voice of a poet uh, you are you are making a career out of every word counting. Absolutely, every word matters. Every word matters, Charles. I, if if I have heard correctly, uh, not only do you both have this wonderful book out called "Can I Touch Your Hair," but it also was a collaborative effort. Is that correct? That is correct. Irene and I worked on this book, having met, never met each other face to face until the book was finished. So how did you become working together in the first place if you had never met together face-to-face? -to -face? I will 
uh, kindly give that question to Irene because she is the <laughs> one who who started who started it all. Oh, I like uh, that. She started it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> thank, thank, thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, Irene, if you will, could you please tell me how you started it, Irene? <laughs> and actually, I didn't start it either, but we have an editor at Learner Books, Carol Hens, who is just a fantastic human being, and she loves poetry, and um, she had been reading, we had both been reading the book Citizen by Claudia Rankin, which is about systemic racism, and um she thought that there was a way to bring that to children. And um, we just met in New York City last month, and I heard from her kind of why she thought of me for the project for the first time. I'd never heard this information, so I will share it with you before I tell you I, I invited Charles on board. But um, she said that she knew that I'd written for the adult market, so um, I had done some books with Learner that were about um, – Animals, animal poetry, the deer wandering wildebeest, and also one set in Antarctica. But she knew I could write about something other than animals because of my adult poetry. And um, so when she was thinking about this project, she said that she thought of me for that reason. Um, and because I love to revise, I'm, I, I, I really love revising. And so she and I have really um, had an opportunity to go back to scratch on some of the work we've done together. And she said, um, think of someone you'd like to work with, an African-American poet, who might that be that you could have this conversation with about race? And I instantly thought of Charles. Um, we, Charles and I didn't know each other, as, as he said, um, but we knew of each other. We shared some pages and some anthologies for children, knew of each other's work. Um, all my interactions with Charles online had been wonderfully pleasant and enthusiastic. And in fact, it's Charles's enthusiasm that really drew me to his work and to him as a person to think that we could tackle this difficult subject matter um, you know, enthusiasm is a wonderful trait and can really carry the day. And um, so I invited Charles via email to join me on this potential book adventure. And um, I will pass it to Charles at that point. He can tell you how he responded to that email. Yeah, because hearing hearing from, from my end sounds like I was asked to write one of the, on one of the most difficult topics <laughs> affecting children and the world right now. <laughs> Hey Charles, want to join me? You're right. <laughs> Let's talk about systemic racism through poetry. I mean, and you've accomplished it, but but Charles, getting that email, what was what was that like for you? If I'm keeping it a hundred, I'm just happy somebody asked me to write a book. So it, it could have at that point, it didn't really hit me as hard that it was systemic racism for kids. It could have been writing poems about doing cartwheels down the street in spring. And I would have said, I'm in. So it wasn't until um, I, I let it sink in that, uh, oh, my goodness, this may be uh, I, I think this could be my first book that I really started to um, think uh, about how how to go about this. Um, and what Irene did a, a smart thing, Matthew. She sent me some poems on general topics uh, with race as a through line and asked me to respond to them. Were so, these, so these were poems written as an adult to an adult or poems written as if like poems you might share to a child? 
That's a good question. I don't remember. What, what happens, as you know, that the first draft of something sometimes barely looks like um, what happens at the end. Of course. It's published. Uh, so I, I, I cannot remember exactly what the – it could have been Irene describing hair or something like that. Or I can't remember exactly, but um, I just automatically defaulted to writing from a childhood experience childhood experiences um because irene sent me poems initially she and that was a that was a great guideline um i felt like i had sort of a north star in terms of just starting to write sometimes it's it's just difficult to sit down with a blank screen or a blank piece of paper and start creating and irene already did 50 percent of that for me by having poems that i could respond to um, but that was, I knew in that, in that email, Matthew, that that was going to be a book because, wow. In I, that and, I, email. and I'll tell you, how, oh, in that boy. email, I, I knew it was a book, a 100% guarantee. Wow. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how I knew. Irene has been in the children's market, um, as a writer for many years. Carol Hens is the senior editor of Learner Publishing Group. Yeah. If my writing's up to par, this will get past acquisitions, I thought, because of the fact that um, it's, it's a three-way, it's a three, it's a three-way writing project yes. in terms of Irene Mockoff and Carol being the editor. I mean, it was almost like, I wouldn't say ready to made, but... It was, and I talk about this, Matthew, I've talked about this all over the country. I'll talk about it for the rest mm. of my life. Mm. Luck is opportunity mean preparation. Lucia Seneca. And this was um, an opportunity, finally. I had been writing and, and getting rejections for um, many years. And... I had gotten into some anthologies, Matthew, but anthologies can only take you so far. You really, what, you're, what I really needed for, for myself was a book um, to get me into for, for school visits, for, and, and, and honestly, for my self-esteem. I needed, I needed to get in the book business somehow, and here was the opportunity. It's like the universe said, Charles, here it is on a silver platter. Don't blow it. And I felt confident enough in my writing that I, I could I could help make this happen. Um, so I knew on that email, I said, this is the opportunity I have been working toward for many years. So if my writing's up to par, because goodness knows Irene's will be up to par, um, we got a book because this is Carol's baby. So I knew in that email. Well, let me say, if you don't mind to both of you about this book, about this book that I that I admire, that I find to be beautiful, that I think there are there are many many of us talking and talking about it uh, on social media, in our in our library groups, on book lists, on things like that. It's fun to see so many people talking about this book, but personally, uh, I find what is so striking for me about this book is that it it is a story told through poetry, but it's also the story of two children reflecting, reflecting through their writing and in their writing, seeing one another and, and, and seeing 
the the holes in their own upbringing. It's really, I felt it to be quite reflective of, of quite frankly, what I've gone through, both as a child and as an adult, still continuing to learn uh, and to, to see other people. Um, but to create that space for a child as well to experience that while still restraining yourself, you, Charles, you, Irene, and Carol as well, to restrain yourself in putting this book out to children without saying, here is the message I'm going to force it upon you to leave that space over and over. You temper that space. Um, you allow us to come into this story. And and that is just, there just aren't many books that accomplish that so, so fluidly. And you've done that. So, I mean, bravo. Uh, but, but also just, I'm in awe of the work you've done. Oh, oh means... my gosh, Matthew, you're just, that's, that was, that means so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your response to the book. Um, you know, I think that you mentioned something that I know is important to both me and Charles. Um, and that is about how we are learning and how it's, it was really important to me to, you know, let people know that you know, we're making mistakes and the only way we can get better at talking about difficult things is letting us and seeing that, you know, it, it doesn't mean we're bad people. It doesn't mean anything except we're learning. And um, that's so hard in our society right now. Um, it's, I can speak from the white perspective and living here in Alabama that, you know, the scariest thing is to open your mouth and be wrong. And maybe, maybe you say something racist. Maybe you realize you find out that yes, indeed, you are racist at times. That's hard to accept and to, to come face to face with, but that's what it takes to um, move forward. And just as a writer, I can tell you that um, this was, a, it felt um, revealing. It felt difficult um, it felt like a real exercise in trust. And I was so glad to have a partner in this in Charles that we were able just to talk about these things that had happened to us in our childhoods and how we responded. And it was such an open, um, you know, just inspiring way to talk about the world. And then, you know, we wound up, you know, being friends after this is all over. I can't imagine you know, my life ever without having this friend in Charles now. And, you know, if that were to happen for anyone else, you know, I think that's um, kind of the miracle of of the book for me is, that, you know, I didn't know how it would change my life, but that that is a really important way that it um, has, has changed me and changed my life. So this is a book that changed you. Maybe that's the magic. Maybe that's the magic that as we're changing through this book, there's something there in the book that 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 you changed while you wrote it. Charles, would you say you changed as well? Did you experience that as well? I did. I found I, I've said this before, I found that in, in many ways it 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 healed certain parts of me <sighs> um, from childhood experiences I've had, from experiences I've had as an adult. It, there's something about putting to paper um, your experiences that whether somebody reads it or not, it's there. 
and it doesn't have to ever go away. That kind of, yes. you're not locking it in, um, carrying it with you like a burden. You can kind of release it. Um, I've learned a lot about this book about forgiveness uh, of myself and of mm. people that I've hurt in my life. Um, I've I've learned about um, learn I've learned about myself as a as a human being. There was something about writing about those experiences and just getting them out there and having somebody like Irene who who has such wisdom. She's a world champion listener. Um. And and sounding board for me, it calls me. Um, she says that she, she's she's uh, my bossy older sister, <laughs> which is, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is. Uh, but you know, it is, sometimes I, I do need to get uh, bossed around a little just to because my mind can become scattered. And Irene has a way of really distilling things and um, helping me focus. So it's it's been a, a it's been a, a wonderful back and forth, and um, I went into it. Uh, how can I put? I went into it initially going, "Oh my goodness, this is going to be a book." I know it, even though we haven't written anything. I know it's going to be a book. <laughs> to before you even wrote, that's amazing. I don't I, think I like, connected yeah, that <laughs> because. And like I said, it was a confluence of things. I yeah, think it was no. luck meeting opportunity. I mean, it was preparation meeting opportunity. It's the fact that Irene has been published for many years. And it's the fact that it's Carol, Carol's the one who initiated it. I thought, I just have to come with my best, yes. honest self. Yes. If I can do that, we're, mm-hmm. I can hold up my end of the bargain. And so, I probably put a little bit too much pressure on myself in the beginning. But I, I just, I knew this was an opportunity. And Matthew... I've had opportunities in my life where, for one reason or another, I didn't step up, that I've looked back on uh, in my past, where I didn't step up when I should have. And now that I have more self-awareness as a grown man, I'm not letting those opportunities pass me by again. Wow. So um, that's Ooh. why this – Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. No, I, 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 I'm, I'm just reveling in it. I'm reveling in it. I'm reveling in these these things that you're saying. It's amazing. There's. Do you mind if I jump in and talk to you? I want to nerd out over format with you for a little bit. I want to get into how this <laughs> oh, book laid out it. the way it was because, like, okay, so 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 first first there happened to be so there's an African American boy and a, a Caucasian girl in this story, a, a white girl and a black boy, and their names happen to be Charles and Irene. I just want to point out to you that their names, you know, your names happen to be Charles and Irene, and it turns out the people in here happen to be Charles and Irene. I'm going to assume that's not a coincidence. But, I mean, when you're talking about, like... It's, it's... Yeah, please, Irene, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to, it's, it's not a coincidence, but it it definitely was not the plan. I mean, when Charles and I started writing the book, you know, this is really personal material. And so we were writing about our experiences and we just used placeholder names in the book. And um, as we continued to develop the narrative, the narrative thread about these two kids, uh, we just decided, what if we just took our real life experiences, imagined ourselves as fifth graders meeting for the first time in a classroom and kind of pouring all those experiences into that, even though we did not 
actually meet in fifth grade in a classroom. And um, by the time we were, you know, into this book, we just could not pull away the names. There was just, there was no replacing the names. And I remember the conversation we had with Carol, our, our editor, about, you know, what are, what are we going to do about these names? And um, we just feel like this is it. And she was just 100% supportive, felt like if that's what if that's what worked for us and we were going to embrace it. And um, given that it is such a personal, um, a personal story anyway, we're, you know, that that's just a way to make it more personal. And she did warn that, you know, that's going to make criticism uh, reviews are going to feel really, really personal when you, you're seeing your names, um, Charles and Irene, um, in in those reviews, and you know, and that's true. But it it seemed very fitting, and um, I'm I'm pleased it worked out that way. Well, you know, Charles mentioned about going all in, and as much as the names were thrown in there arbitrarily, thrown in there as placeholder, something in your subconscious said to put those names down, and and coming back <laughs> to that idea that. Yeah how much you poured of yourself, how honest you were being through yourselves and through your childhoods and exercising those questions that you had as fifth graders, but weren't able to perhaps articulate in the the time you were growing up or Mm -hmm. in the way you grew up. Um, I feel like, I feel like that connection perhaps made me appreciate it even more knowing that there were, there were two things about this format that I thought were undeniable. And one was the fact that, this book made it to print with your names in it. I felt like that is saying something. So as a reader, I'm reading it going, there is a reason that this boy is named Charles and there is a reason that this girl is named Irene and that is not something to be denied. And likewise, the pairing of poems. When you get, I don't even know how far in on my first read where I really started to connect that that it is deliberate that the poems are paired throughout the book. I know on the title page they're paired and I know that, you know, there's always Irene has a poem and Charles has a poem and sometimes the different person takes the lead of which poem is spoken first. But but what felt sort of like just sort of happenstance in the beginning took on deeper and deeper meaning as we progressed through the story and it became perhaps not as obvious the connection that was there between the two poems that became uh, where the reflection and introspection, I feel like, really came up for me uh, and added uh, greater depth to those words. The the conversation that you that you're that that Charles and Irene were literally having between these poems. Yeah, um, when we started, the, we were going on subjects. And um, we were looking at, like, let's write poems about music. Let's write poems, pair, you know, a pair of poems about church. Let's write about food. And um, so I, I'm, I'm loving your feedback and your response to, to how that, how it came together. Um, because, you know, the choice was made not to emblazon the page, you know, with the subject matter, what it, what it was, and leave that for the reader. And, and that's something I love about literature is is that space you were talking about i love when there's space for the reader to to have you know a more active role in the reading experience and to you know bring their own lives to it and um so i do think that ended up being a way that um it, it'd be more space for the reader to to bring themselves into it i mean ultimately it's about identity and and us coming to 
to love our celebrate our differences and love those differences in others as well. So, um, it, you know, if I could take credit, but that's that's learner. They're they're the ones that made that decision. Yes, Le- learner. Um, Alan Wolf, the uh, hmm. esteemed uh, author, poet, musician, said something at a a book signing in Asheville um, about a month ago. He, he gave, and I, this was without prompting, he told the audience, this is Lerner putting their money where their mouth is in terms of, yes, with, with the talk of um, the book business and people of color and diversity and what can we do. This is, this is somebody, you know, I, and this is to to, to learner's credit, uh, Adam Lerner and 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 Carol Hins and and their and the staff there, of going. You know, what can we do? We're we're gonna we're gonna take a risk here with this book, and we're gonna see. You know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna put ourselves in the conversation, um, and the fact that it's being received the way it is uh, is so humbling, and. It, it makes me happy that's being received in the way that all of us, uh, just not not just Irene and myself, but all of us have. It's being received in the way we put it out there, with a lot of uh, humbleness and a lot of heart and a lot of hope. Yes, um, that's probably been the most gratifying thing for me, because mm-hmm. I didn't know how it was going to come out. I didn't know what the re- it could have been, a, a myriad of responses. Um, so the fact that it's this one is super gratifying. Um, yeah. So I I have the experience of knowing Learner for some time now, being a librarian, going to library conferences, and knowing their material that we buy series material from Learner all the time. And I know that they make mm-hmm. picture books as well. I specifically know them for making graphic novels too, but. To see a publisher like Lerner, and there's some other publishers that I typically would think of more in the educational market, but coming with these picture books that have, that say something, that say something and are Mm -hmm. not afraid to stand out there and say something in a time when something needs to be said, that feels, it feels right, and it feels like... It draws others in. I felt closer to this publisher because this is a publisher that showed this is what they're willing to publish. And I'm having that experience um, with, I would say, in the past, probably in the past year, um, with some other publishers where it just feels like I can see, maybe because in response to the shape of our world, I can see there are some people taking chances and those chances don't always pay out but Mm -hmm. sometimes beautiful books are made and so i'm glad i'm grateful that i'm gonna read the entire title i'm grateful that can i touch your hair poems of race mistakes and friendship i'm glad that this gets to be a book i'm glad that it gets to be that i get to read it that i get to read it to my my students (laughs) and my children I'm glad that you both get to see children and share these poems with them. Um, I, I got a whole bunch of gratefulness because this book exists. And that's that's no small thing that, that a publisher can be behind something like that. 
Yeah. Yeah, and and to have Sean Qualls and Selena Alco, you know, to to bring the beautiful art. I mean, you want to talk about jackpot? No, we're just delighted that that was a happy day to do the art. I mean, it's unreal. Happy, happy day. Yes, that was a happy day for us, Matthew. There was some there was some celebrating in New York City, Alabama. I can assure you. <laughs> and we um we sent to them um we sent to them our pictures of our fifth grade selves. So when they illustrated the book, they would have a frame of reference for who oh. how to draw us. And um so it's yeah, so it's it again with feeling very, very personal and um we were able to all be together in New York City last month. Um actually the five of us, um Sean, Selena and Carol Hens was there as well with us um at at a couple of events and um oh it was just it was great to have the whole team you know it was That's just cool. a really a neat a neat moment to sh- to share that with them yeah well i'm excited to be able to share a conversation with Sean and Selena um to share on this podcast after our episode airs uh but i mentioned to you at the start of our recording that I haven't talked to them yet. I haven't met them yet. I have been waiting to meet <laughs> Selena and Sean for a long time because like you I have admired their work. It feels forever. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that, mm. that, that you all got to meet mm. and have that. That's cool. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Hey, before, mm-hmm. yeah. before we wrap up, before I ask you that, that final question that I had emailed you both about, before we do that, would you mind if we read some poems together? I have a request. If you have the book in front of you, I I would love to request, uh, to have these two wonderful poets read me a poem. Is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Um, Charles being an actor, he... I know, right? No. You, uh, Charles is an actor, and he, he knows all of his poems by heart, which is just a, an amazing feat in and of itself. But I do have a copy of the book here, so I can, well, we're, I can also read one for you. We're talking over Skype, so you won't know if I have your poem by heart or not. But, uh, <laughs> do, you, do, you have, do, you, do you have from, from touring uh, a pair of poems that, that you've enjoyed sharing with readers as you've as you've visited different places my I, favorite poem in the book matthew please is is irene's poem news um, yes it's my favorite poem and it's my in my niece my 16 year old niece well, yeah she told me and before i told before i told her what my favorite poem was she said her favorite poem was news as well no doubt so it, yeah, it runs in the Waters family. Like we we know good poetry when we read it. So, uh. Irene, Irene, let's play let's play the lucky number three. That is literally the page that I was going to ask, and I felt like is it presumptuous for me to say? Can you both read Officer Brassard in news? I felt like that was too much. But I know. Be- before you each share, oh, that, if it's you not, don't, it's not too much. If you don't mind sharing those two, do you mind if I share one before you go? I want to go before the pros. I have. My there, there was a poem that please I don't know why but it spoke to me so personally that I wanted to read it and give it back to you as as a gift of thanks and as a gift of showing you myself and that poem is called Ghost mm. so for those listening this this poem this poem is shared by Charles um, and well I'll just read it and it'll explain itself there's a new student at school who I haven't met yet. He goes by the name Ghost. At least that's what his new friends, all the same color, call him. I introduce myself. Hey, Ghost! 
My name's Charles. His pasty skin heats up faster than a summer's day. My name's Paul, he says, leaving my outstretched hand to dangle. I realize I'm a few shades too dark to be allowed to call him by his nickname. <sighs> that poem stops me every time. Great job. Every mm -hmm. time. There's, I mean, mm -hmm. we can't even go in further. <laughs> we can't go much further into the book because then, like, tears will start mm -hmm. streaming down my face as we mm -hmm. read. Mm -hmm. But if I could <laughs> please ask you both, Charles, if I could ask you for Officer Brassard and, and then Irene for news, that would be a delight if you could each share those. You got it. Um, Officer and, and um, the last names, it's actually based on a, it's based on a couple of people, but one of them is a, a former detective uh, and police officer in Mississippi named, his last name's Broussard. Broussard, okay. Broussard. Um, it's, it's based on him and uh, his father, uh, Vincent Broussard, just a wonder, I love, I love, uh, I love his father, uh, based on an officer in Arkansas named Officer Tommy Norman, who's a big presence on Facebook. Mm. If, if you go to Facebook and type in Officer Tommy Norman, you'll see why. Um, so this is Officer Broussard. When I watch the news, I can't believe when I see people who could pass as my family being choked, pummeled, shot, killed by police officers. I remember the time I tried to hop a chain link fence. My low top sneakers got caught and I couldn't get down. That's when Officer Broussard happened to drive by. He stopped helped me untwist myself, and promised to keep that embarrassing moment to himself. He even bought me a popsicle later that day to help me cool off my shame. A gift for being awesome, he said. Yet, when the police officers on TV are pale as a cloud, just like Officer Broussard, it makes my heart twist without any hope of being disentangled. Hmm. That's that poem. Oh, and it's also based on somebody... Um, a police officer in Yadin, Pennsylvania. That's where I grew up. Um, it's a Philadelphia suburb. Um, and I was having a bad moment in my life. And, um, and um, I was in ninth grade. And he, he picked me up. My parents called for me because I was missing because I left. And we had a big argument. And he picked me up and drove me, drove me home and had a really nice heart to heart with me just about life and he kind of calmed me down because I, I was um i was pretty upset at the time so it was like a confluence of all those it was a combination rather of all those people that that i came up with uh officer Broussard. that's beautiful um, thank you for yeah. sharing that that's mm -hmm. that's beautiful yeah. oh. irene would you would you mind sharing news with yeah, us I, I yes i'm happy to do that i shout out to my dad who's no longer with us but he is the one who introduced me to poetry read to me Shel Silverstein when I was just a baby and challenged me when I was a teenager to write he was always giving me writing challenges and knew somewhere before I did that I would someday be a writer in the public I, uh, I always wrote privately before, but he encouraged me a lot. And he also was just kind of the go-to guy whenever anything, anything bad was happening. And that's what this poem is about. News. I always know when the news is bad because 
Papa clicks off the TV when I walk in. Let's go to the park, he says. He swings me high and high, doesn't stop until I ask him to. We feed bread to the geese, race up the hill. We watch a caterpillar climb a blade of grass. Only then does he tell me about Trayvon, about Ferguson, Missouri, what happened and why. We stare at the clouds, how they drift and disappear. Somewhere it's raining, he says, and I swear I can hear the thunder crack. Gets me every time. Every time. <laughs> You've both written a beautiful book. And I can't think of a better way to end this conversation, this space that you've helped create, which I which I thank you for both inviting me into. I can't think of a better way to wrap up our time together than to turn our voices to your readers, to those children. And so, uh, Charles, I'm going to start by asking you this question. And then, Irene, I'd like to end with you if you don't mind. Um, Charles, I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you. Yes. You tell them that their Uncle Charles says that if they have, uh, to quote his friend <laughs> Sylvester, if they ever have a real life emergency, you call 911. But if you have a poetry emergency, you go to section 811 in your library. 811 is your friend, it will never let you down. It will always be there for you, and it never judges you. And if you can't find something in the 811 section that you're passionate about, ask your librarian, because librarians are magical people, and they'll help you find just the book you need. <laughs> oh. That's the truth. <laughs> Irene, I would love to ask you. Yep. We love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Irene, okay, so, so yeah, Irene, same I question. Would, yeah, I'll see I, a library full of children tomorrow. Please, uh, what message could I bring to them from you? Well, I think the message I would like to give everyone is that the best gift that you can give the world is just to be you, just to be you with all your mistakes and your hair color and your skin color and the things you like to eat and your family and all the things that make you different and all the things you worry about and all the things you're learning just be you and that's that's the best thing that you can do this is andy plemons school librarian speaker and blogger at expectmiraculous.com calling in from athens georgia the Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books re referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed.
We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.